imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Leadership Global Podcast. I'm so glad all of you have tuned in today because, wow, do we have a power-packed conversation for you. Today, we're going to talk about the lessons learned from high-stakes leadership, especially high-stakes leadership during COVID-19 with one of the most esteemed women leaders in the nation, Cynthia Cleveland. She's a partner in CEO Coaching International. She's a five-time CEO, and she served on 10 fiduciary and advisory corporate boards worldwide. So there's not a better expert for us to talk to about high-stakes leadership. You know, in early 2020, an invisible and dangerous enemy was fast approaching. That was COVID-19. It was highly contagious, unpredictable, and deadly. So what to do? How do you prepare? How do you respond to something like that? Leaders of cities, states, and countries face an unprecedented test. The story of the spread and the unthinkable human tragedies of COVID-19 is literally the ultimate case study in high-stakes leadership. And the ones who pass this test with flying colors are disproportionately women. Now, this is despite the fact that women make up less than 7% of all heads of state. But let me say, none of us can afford to miss the lessons here. The number of COVID-related deaths is predicted to be substantially lower in areas where leaders took action sooner, even by a week. So all leaders, including men, can certainly learn from what we've seen women do in crisis. This moment in history offers a fascinating and real-time opportunity to understand the consequences of leadership decisions in high-stakes situations. What might be some of the strengths we take for granted as women actually help lead in high-stakes situations and can be recognized and applied to everyday leadership challenges. Today, we are so lucky to have with us Cynthia Cleveland, a five-time CEO who has served on more than 10 fiduciary and advisory boards and is an absolute expert in women's leadership and an advocate for women's empowerment. Now, let me just tell you how special Cynthia is. Not only is she a five-time CEO, but she's an expert in developing, translating, and monetizing intellectual property rights into major global consumer brands and new businesses across diverse industries. Cynthia successfully generated, get this, over $4 billion worldwide in sales of consumer product, entertainment, and publishing brands. That is amazing. And with international business and board experience, Cynthia has a track record of identifying and capitalizing on emerging trends to create entirely new businesses. She has successfully navigated Fortune 500 companies. 
She's run venture-backed businesses. She's launched entrepreneurial digital businesses. And with over 20 years of product development and marketing expertise, Cynthia successfully directed over a thousand products with over $4 billion in sales volume for well-known companies such as Universal Studios, Carnation Foods, Mattel Toys, Teleflora Floral Gifts, and Imaginarium Toy Stores. She is currently a partner and CEO of Coaching International, the leading coaching firm for growth-focused CEOs and entrepreneurs. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you, Linda. It's such a pleasure to be here today with you. Yeah, it is an honor for us to have you here with us. So thank you so much. Now, before we dive right in into the subject of high-stakes leadership, tell us a little bit about your journey and what's led you to have such passion around high-stakes leadership, women's leadership, and advocacy for women. Well, Linda, I I was lucky, but when I look back, maybe the word was I was also, uh, like a lot of women, I took opportunities that were maybe higher risk than somebody else might have taken. And as a result, I've had just a fascinating career. As you say, I've led five different companies over time, but I said yes when other people might have said no. And I think that's the case with a lot of women in general. So I've done everything from Teleflor and the Floral Wire Service to then I ran a high-end retail chain of educational toys and Universal Studios. So I've literally learned about the world of business And what I found in the beginning, I think I became an advocate because there were just so few other women in my same shoes. I was not just looking for friends, but also looking for people, women who'd done it successfully. And that's really what sparked your your interest in cultivating women's leadership uh, opportunities for other women and being an advocate, a sponsor, an ally for women in leadership positions, right? Yes, I was lucky enough to have success early in my life. In fact, I ran my first company, started running my first company the year I had my first child. So I was young and that was unusual. This was 30 years ago now. So that was highly unusual. And I I looked around and there were not a lot of other women in the same situation. I was lucky enough to join an organization, which we know each other through, called YPO, Young Presidents Organization. And of our entire population of 20,000, I think at the time, CEOs from around the world, less than 5% were women. And I just felt like I wanted things to be different for my daughter. So I started way back when looking for other women to recruit to YPO. And that's led to what's turned into a lifelong passion, helping younger women who are entrepreneurs and are coming up and also helping women get on boards. Those became my passions. Oh, that's awesome. Now, I will say that you're right. You and I know each other from YPO, and you have been an advocate for women in leadership, whether they're starting their own business or they're climbing the corporate ladder in a Fortune 500 firm for as long as I've known you. And I think that you've seen the consequences of leadership decisions in high-stakes situations. And As we talked about at the top of the hour, the lessons of COVID-19 offers a fascinating and real-time opportunity to really understand the consequences of high-stakes situations. So what might be some of the strengths that we take for granted as women that help in those kinds of leadership situations when the stakes literally could not be higher? 
Well, there, there are many, and, and they won't be too surprising to you if you think about it. And everybody from the Harvard Business Review to the Forbes Council to the Washington Post to the New York Times, they started commenting on this based on the, the government leadership, which, as you mentioned earlier, so few women leaders. But they made some very different decisions. And one of the first things that they did was they acted quickly. And that made all the difference. It doesn't sound like it's, you know, acting in a week, making a decision in a week could make the difference. But in this case, it absolutely has. Um, I would think the, the other things that are most important that we saw was a reliance on interpersonal skills and things like inspiring and motivating others, communicating powerfully, collaboration and teamwork. I would say one trait that many women have is we don't believe we know it all and we will listen to trusted advisors. We will get more facts because we know we're gonna be second guessed. That's just sort of the, rea the reality of the difficulty of being a female leader actually turns around and helps us in this situation because we're maybe a little bit more, we're more careful on one hand, uh, people do understand and believe we're looking for the greater good. We look at things a little bit differently as women and mothers and leaders. And that works to our advantage in these kinds of high stakes situations. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's interesting when you read some of the early case studies around COVID-19, you're right. Um, some of the soft skills, being able to communicate effectively, being able to take counsel, being able to make quick decisions really did make all the difference. What are some of the unique differences between men and women in high stakes leadership situations that we can all learn from? We talked about, you know, some of the unique um, qualities and characteristics for most women. Again, that's that's a broad statement, but th that most women have that really aided them in a high stakes situation. But what are some of generally the differences in leadership styles between men and women in a high stakes situation? Well, as I mentioned, this Harvard Business Review article came up with some very specific, and this was researched by 360 degree reviews, you know, going all the way around and during COVID, and it was women versus men. And where there was a statistical difference were things like taking initiative, believe it or not, that acting more quickly and taking initiative was gigantic. Also agility, learning agility. So we've had to pivot and it, I look at that myself and in working with clients, I think I've been successful because I've had to pivot, I've pivoted a lot in my career. I've, I've run five different companies and with each one, there was a lot of new learning. And I think as women, we have to learn all of a sudden your world changes if you become a mother. All of a sudden your word, world changes again when your kids leave. I mean, there are things in our lives that are gigantic changes that we, we learn from. Inspiring and motivating others, one of the most important ingredients to my success has been team building. And so looking at how I'm better is by through others. When you really get to be a leader, if you really want to be successful, it's going to be through others. It's not just yourself. So developing others, um, that has always been and sort of that teacher role and coaching role came very naturally to me and does to many women and building relationships displaying high integrity and honesty, uh, communicating powerfully and politically, collaboration and teamwork, championing change, making decision, drives for results, values diversity, establishes stretch goals. These were the 13 qualities where women significantly outperform men, and these are CEO level women. 
So those are all so important. The only one where men significantly outperformed women was in um, actual like technical abilities. That was the only one where men seemed to have a slight edge. So you, you could call these soft, but it's way more than soft. And, and we've been arguing for getting more women on boards over time because we found that diverse boards actually perform better financially. It's not just soft skills. So all of those actions combined lead to a more successful end result. And that's been the reason a lot, a lot of companies have come around to recognizing that, that a diverse team and a diverse board will make for better decisions because you're just hearing more voices. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So talk to me about a time, Cynthia, where you, in your uh, incredibly successful career, have faced a high-stakes situation. And because you were brought in as a consultant or a leader or a board advisor, you really saw from an insider's perspective what was happening at that company. And how did you see uh, women kind of step up and help turn around that company? Or how did you personally step into that situation as CEO and turn around that company? And then what were some of the, um, the qualities and attributes and characteristics that really served you well uh, to help turn around a high stakes situation? Well, actually, I, I, the company will remain nameless, but I was brought into a company um, first as a consultant and then was offered the job of running the company. And everybody else had thought that they had a shot at this job. So I came into a very difficult situation um, and the business was at a critical point. There had been a lot of issues. So here I was, uh, probably the most unpopular person in the room, and I had to sort out quickly who were on the team were the keepers and where my problems were going to be. And I had just happened to attend a YPO event where somebody from Myers-Briggs was there and did an assessment, you know, personality assessments on ourselves and our spouses. So I found out he did this for teams as well. And I brought him into the company and he assessed my entire team. And with that clarity, it helped me realize there was one person in particular who was just not going to get with the program and made a change there. And it helped bring us together as a team. And every other company I've run since then, that's been one of my first moves is to really start. I, I'm quite serious when I say building the team has made all the difference. And with that teamwork, then starting to work better, people understanding each other. To this day, that's what I do with my, my clients as a coach, is we look at their team, because that's really the core of your existence and, and your success. You're only as good as your weakest team member. So sorting out, is the team, is everybody in the right seat? Sometimes you've got a great person in the wrong seat. But once you have the team working and people are clear on who's going to do what by when, Business is not that complicated. I've, I've had a lot of different businesses. And at the end of the day, it's about the people and the process that you use to move forward and having clarity. So it, 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 it's a lot more simple, I think, than people realize. Okay, thank you. Or at least you make it seem simple. So thank well, you. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm a simple person. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a gift to take something complicated and be able to, I think, um, uh, boil it down to its essence and simplify it. So thank you. You know, one of the things that we've read, I think, in the news quite a bit lately is that as a result of the challenges that women face, um, 
that have been intensified with COVID-19, such as childcare, you know, trying to balance childcare with teaching their kids at home, with household chores, with a full-time position, more than one in four women are actually contemplating what have been considered literally just unthinkable just six months ago. And that's downshifting their careers or leaving the workplace completely. And I really think that's an emergency for corporate America. What would you advise women that are considering leaving the workforce or downshifting their career entirely due to this high stakes leadership issue that I think all of corporate America has been struggling with, and that's COVID-19? Well, it breaks my heart to hear it and read about it, and I've seen it firsthand. And and I guess the only piece of advice I would give, I mean, it's not my place to tell somebody else what's right for their life. However, I think that it's fair to an employer, if you're in a situation where you have an employer, to ask for some help and to to make sure that they know if you want to continue what kind of help you might need. I've, I've had a couple of my clients when I've said, well, this person is is leaving, is that really what they want to do? Oh, we really didn't actually talk about it. So I think a lot of women are feeling forced and I can only imagine the conflict that you've got to have right now. Um, Again, I always look to my my peers and I've heard of innovative things like having pods for classes for kids in a neighborhood and, and look to your spouse. I mean, one of the the best decisions you can ever make or worst decisions you can make is your spouse. And if you have a spouse, like I've had an incredibly supportive spouse my entire life, and that's made a big difference in my potential for my career. But even if you haven't had a particularly supportive spouse, if you need one right now, now's the time to ask for help, help from your relatives, help from your spouse, help from your friends. How are your other friends getting along? What are you doing? It's definitely going to require some out-of-the-box thinking, and I'm not going to be a liar and say this is simple. But I know I have friends who've regretted stepping away, and stepping back can sometimes be harder than we would like it to be. So just, just look for any options and look for new options because there are new options coming every day. That's, that's so smart, Cynthia. Thank you. I agree. And let me also ask you, you were talking about how critical team building is um, and that that really is the very first step that you take when you enter any kind of, of in corporate environment is to assess the team and really look at the team and make sure you have the right people in the right positions doing the right jobs. And we've also talked about how with the unique situation I think we're all facing with COVID-19, that the workplace is transforming. It's changing really dramatically from remote work to having to juggle a lot of competing priorities, working at home, which can include childcare, teaching your kids at home, managing household chores, managing family responsibilities, and balancing a full-time job. What are some of the ways that employers can build a more flexible and a more empathetic workplace to nurture a culture in which women have an equal opportunity to achieve their potential over the long term and really rise into leadership positions, especially during high stakes situations like we're we're all facing right now? I guess I always look and say, just give us a chance. You know, don't assume we can't and ask for our ideas. I mean, some of the things that we mentioned earlier in terms of the motivation and and the good things that we have going for us, 
I actually did a YPO call on this because I just felt like we as women leaders were all feeling so down that I wanted to remind everybody that we've got some secret sauce ourselves and that it can be more useful than ever before in terms of just being that leader that inspires others and that says, hey, we're going to make it through this. Look at all the other things we've made through. I never thought I could make it through my first year of having a child and running a company, neither of which I'd ever done before in my life, but I did. And then that gives you confidence to do the next thing. So our people are looking for us to give them confidence and look for little ways. Some of the, the female CEOs that I work with have done just amazing things for their people, whether it's sending them little thank you packages at home uh, with popcorn and a, a gift certificate for something that they can enjoy as a family, uh, to just connecting people. We've done games online. I mean, just something to keep people's spirits up. I think things that don't even necessarily cost a lot sometimes just make all the difference in the world. So take that softer side of things that may not cost a lot, but may mean a lot to people right now. Even just saying, thank you for doing a good job, or I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. And I know how hard it is with all these things that are going on. Appreciate those who are helping you, whether it's your, your housekeeper, your husband, if you have one, <laughs> um, whoever it is in your life who's helping you, the person who's delivering your groceries, what, however you are getting through this, just be sure to thank those who are helping us because there are lots of people out there who are doing above and beyond the call of duty right now. Yeah, that's so right. And I think, uh, you know, adopting an attitude of gratitude, you know, uh, yep. infusing appreciation into your life every single day can have a transformative impact on your overall attitude as well. So I love that. That's really good advice, Cynthia. You know, there was an article written recently in Forbes by Cami Anderson, and she mm -hmm. noted four unique qualities of women's leadership that, um, that might be able to be recognized by women and then applied to everyday leadership challenges. And of course, you noted your own list of qualities uh, that are unique to women in high stakes leadership situations that might be able to, again, be recognized by women and then applied into a variety of situations. So do you agree with Cami's list or from the list that you read from, uh, what do you feel like are some of the most um, important qualities that women need to recognize in their own leadership and then perhaps apply more generally to all kinds of leadership challenges that they may be faced with? Well, one of the things she said is female leaders have to be competent and quote unquote, throw the baby shower. And at first that sounds very tongue in cheek, but when I thought about that, it's so, I mean, competency is table stakes. You're, you're not gonna be in, in a role of leadership if you're not competent. Throwing the baby shower was kind of a funny one, but I think in a way I embrace that. I mean, gosh, no, I've done that in, in that it's show that you care about the people and, and show that you care about each other and, and be, be there personally for people. And I think women maybe have a, more of a propensity to do that and, and we can be comforting. We don't suffer from overconfidence. Women seek input. And I think that's been to our advantage. We don't have to, you know, there, there's a lot written about men's confidence, where they call it aggressiveness in women. Well, I don't think we suffer from that. I think we do seek input and listen. And I think right now nobody has all the answers. 
we manage risk differently. But interestingly, in some ways, I think we manage risk. We are not risk averse at all. We have so many risks that we've embraced. I heard a term and I didn't know what it was. So I kind of looked it up. They were talking about women face the glass cliff and figure out they might as well jump. I'm like, what is the glass cliff? Everybody's heard of the glass ceiling. Well, the glass cliff is related to the fact that a lot of women are really only given opportunities when things are kind of a mess. So the thing is ready to fall off the cliff and then they give you the chance to, to unmess it up. And I think when you know you're in a situation like that, you figure out what the heck, you know, I'm going to just do the best that I can. And sometimes uh, we've all just kind of jumped. And there are times for taking, weighing all of those measured, all that input that you have. And there are other times it's time for action. And that's what happened in a lot of these situations. So I'd say most of us do all of these things every single day. It's just being comfortable in your own skin, knowing you're not going to have all the answers and you're just doing the best that you can and move, keep moving forward. My, my, I guess my motto in life is especially when things are tough is what's one step I can take today. And then I feel a little bit better if I've taken that step. So just keep moving forward and yep. don't get discouraged to the degree that you can. Yeah. You've said three things that I want to, I want to dive in on. One is all you have to do is the next right thing. Right. You don't have to think beyond just the next right thing and take that step. Two, um, the concept of throw the baby shower by Cami Anderson, I thought was brilliant because really what that speaks to is embrace your feminine leadership embrace the fact that you're going to care about what's happening in people's lives beyond the time that you see them from nine to five. And if you know someone is celebrating the birth of a new child, throw the baby shower, embrace what's happening in their life. Understand that we're all human and we all have triumphs and we all have challenges beyond the workplace. And when you get to know someone holistically and you really get to know them on a human level, you're going to want to celebrate with them. So throw the baby shower and don't forget that we all have a life outside of work and we have the opportunity to celebrate each other during those, those times of um, real, uh, you know, meaningful life, meaningful and significant life events. And then the glass cliff I thought was so smart too. And it reminds me of a, of a conversation I had with the CEO who's a friend of mine. And she said, you know, I've become known as the turnaround queen in terms of CEOs because no man wants that job. And she exactly. said, the reason why I've been a multiple CEO across a number of companies is that every single time they brought me in to turn the company around because no man accepted the job. No man wanted to join a company that was falling off the cliff. Exactly. So they hired me. And if it worked great, and if it didn't, I became their scapegoat. And right. she said, so I am the, the turnaround queen and I have lived on the glass cliff the last 30 years of my career, proving it can be done. So I, I just thought that those three concepts were just really, truly brilliant. I have so to meet her. She sounds like she's amazing. <laughs> she is amazing. And I am happy to introduce you, actually. Um, so, Cynthia, we're wrapping up our time together. And one last piece of um, advice from you, please. 
I know that you have worked with incredible leaders, both men and women, and you yourself have an incredible track record of success doing really exciting, but really important things throughout your career. Um, What is the best leadership advice that you've ever received or that you carry with you and provide to others? So of the um, thousands of women that are listening to us today, what piece of advice would you leave with them in terms of leadership advice you've received? Well, this is going to sound like a broken record, but it actually is true. Hire people that are better than you are. And the other thing that I've learned is hire a diverse team. Don't hire people all like you. you. There are many people who you'd like to be at a cocktail party with, but very, very consciously build your team. So I think, and then this isn't exactly advice. Well, I guess it kind of is. Um, my wish is that every single one of us would turn around and extend a hand backwards. So any of us who have been successful or no matter where you are, I don't care where you are in your life, there's always somebody that you can help. So turn around and extend a hand to somebody else, whether it's your postman or whoever it is you can help in any way that you can help. Leave leave cookies for your FedEx driver, <laughs> you know, whatever you can do to help somebody else. Um, if you've gotten someplace in life, give back. I love that. I love that. And that is why you're also serving as the board advisor for Lead Hership Global is because you have such a commitment to helping others and coaching others and pulling others into a place of purpose and mission, ensuring that however they define success, that you can be instrumental in in not just creating that vision, but accelerating their success. So Thank you so much, Cynthia. What a pleasure to speak with you today. And as I tell you often, uh, when I grow up, I want to be Cynthia Cleveland. And I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It's my honor to be part of your wonderful organization. I'm thrilled to be on your advisory board. So you take care, Linda. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power, and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today as women and as leaders. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.